This is iFanboy Media Explode. Episode 4? I don't know. Titles. <laughs> <laughs> My fanboy media explode episode four. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hello. Good to be back. And we here are for my fanboy. We are talking about media that we watched in the last month that doesn't have to do with comics. We do the show because the patrons unlocked it over at patreon.com slash ifanboy and thank you to them. I would like all the patrons, uh, loyal patrons of my fanboy to know that every day Connor and Josh wake up and say, how can we keep them happy? It's true. Yeah, just yeah. I hope you guys know the amount of effort that goes into it. I don't think that <laughs> they do. Yeah, all we can think of is to offer more shows that they they keep enabling and then making our lives more difficult. <laughs> what if what if you guys just talk about stuff? We will run out of things to talk about soon. It's uh, I think I think we've we, we've uh, documented uh, nearly ten years ago that you, we could do this for a very long time. <laughs> With no topic. <laughs> but eventually they'll go, I think they're just saying the same things over and changing the subjects around. We get it. You played World of Warcraft 15 years ago. We understand. <laughs> oh, Josh didn't think that part was as good as the other two did. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So, All right. as we're doing uh, with these shows, we're going to start off talking about what we've been watching uh, mostly on streaming in the last month. Our quarantine streaming section, as we're still in quarantine. Ron, why don't you start? Oh, I don't want to start. I'm the, I'm the worst one to start with. You guys are probably watching much more interesting stuff than me. Josh, why don't you start? All right. I have two things. So, should I do both or should I do one and then come back around? Do both. Okay, I'd say the the most significant thing that I've been spending my time with isn't been something I've been watching. Uh, sometime in the last year, uh, my wife said, "You have to listen to this Conan O'Brien podcast," and I said, "Yeah, yeah." And then a few months ago, Connor said, "You have to listen to this," <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, Lindsay told me to, but now that you're told me to, I'm going to do it." <laughs> she doesn't listen to this, so that's fine. So yeah, I've been listening to I've been like mainlining episodes of Conan Needs a Friend. And I had been listening to, I think I'd mentioned somewhere, I'm listening to this like decades long audio book on Robert Moses by Robert Caro. And it's really good, but I, I take breaks every once in a while. And so you go from that to Conan. I find it completely delightful. The idea is he needs a friend. So he just has people on that he wants to talk to. And it really is a different show depending on who the guest is. But just as much, I actually really just enjoy the bumpers at the front or the you know at the end where he's just talking to producer uh, Matt Gorley, who I was trying to think of what to call. He's not really a he's not a friend, but because he was on Goodfellas Minute, we can call him a friend of ours. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Friend of ours. <laughs> Gorley's the best. I love Gorley. He's he's. I'm so like I'm glad Gorley got this gig because clearly like working with Conan O'Brien's awesome. But what it meant was that it meant that he had to stop doing. I was there too, which is one of my favorite podcasts and was so fantastic. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous that you get a little Gorley in your life because yeah. right now I've got no Gorley. But yeah, well, you could listen. I could, but I don't listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> it's it's, it's it, either way. <laughs> It's very funny, and it's made me laugh a lot. You know, there's been just interesting things about people who are funnier than you think. Or like, Rob Lowe is incredibly funny. Yep. Rob Lowe does an amazing Cary Grant voice. <laughs> That's what I know. He can do impressions. Yeah. 
Kevin Nealon is the most frustrating and funniest person ever. Mike Myers, kind of boring, but also very funny. Even, like, even the ads are pretty funny, although once you've heard them a few times. Anyway, I've really been enjoyed doing that. The other thing I wanted to bring up, Mythic Quest. I believe I talked about Always Sunny in Philadelphia before when I got done with that. And apparently it is coming back, but God knows when that's going to be. When I got done with that, I wanted more. And so I realized, hey, I, I have Apple TV Plus for some reason that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> um, so I will try to watch this show that Rob McElhaney also created. And he was the creator of Always Sunny. I think he's the only creator of that show, if I'm not mistaken. He created it and they developed it with the other guy. Dennis... Yes, yes, him. Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> I don't know his real name. But as I started getting near the end of Always Knee, I was like, I think that guy might be a genius. And then I go over to this other show, Mythic Quest, which really is, it's funny, but it is a different type of show. It is not about hitting that bleeding edge of what you should be doing, you know. It's a different kind of show. It's a little more standard sitcom-y, but it's also really funny. And then about halfway through, there's an episode that is two other actors, a completely different show. It's not even, like, funny. And it was fantastic. Like, it's, you know, he doesn't write the whole thing, but he's clearly showrunning it, and he's just got, he's got a point of view. He's got a vision. Well, what's the premise of the show? The premise of the show is that he basically runs a company that's like World of Warcraft. Like he he came up with this game and like he's like a, a you know like a video game magnate so the the head of this game Mythic Quest and and I think the whole show is called the title is Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet because that's like the second edition of the game and you know there's the business guy who's the guy who's played by um cricket on Always Sunny it's a completely different character F Mary Abraham is the tortured old man of letters who writes the scripts for it there's a lot of uh, Reem D in this quite honestly. I was about to say, I'm like, this sounds a lot, yeah. this sounds very yeah. Reem D-esque. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he read that book. <laughs> it's, you know, there's there's the quirky head engineer, the Australian girl, there's, there's, there's a YouTuber who's the worst, you know, 14-year-old on earth. It's a really funny show. It's made me laugh a lot and it's just really impressive that it's the same guy who does Always Sunny and it's almost as entertaining, but it's it's not the same thing at all. And I, I, I'm just very impressed by that. And uh, it's a thing I don't I have no idea who's watching Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, a lot of people probably got it for free. If you have Verizon, you can do it for free. It's worth watching. Between that show and For All Mankind, I loved both of those shows. I don't know that it's worth the subscription, but I, I would probably dip in for a month, watch everything, and then get out if I had to. Is Mythic Quest over? Is it like they dump the whole show or is it a weekly release? It was 10 episodes. The 10th one is the quarantine episode where it was done all like over Zoom or, or you know, like as if it was Zoom. Everybody's in their own place doing bits of it. And it was super fucking impressive. I remember seeing the stories go around. I thought, there's no way that's not hacky. But at the end of it, I was like, no, that was really well done. Just really intricately planned and plotted and shot. I don't know if that was the end of their season or they just hadn't been able to shoot them. Right. A lot, a lot of shows just ended. Yep. Well, yeah, that's like I, I just recently finished The Flash, which just ended very abruptly and yeah. clearly. Like, they just didn't... They, it ended with a to-be-continued. Clearly, you know, there were there were more episodes to come, as you could tell, because it sure didn't end in a, in a satisfying manner <laughs> in, any, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's weird, and we don't know when they're going to return to shooting again. Yeah. Much like that Grey's Anatomy tweet that went out that was like, next season, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad time for all these streaming services to launch who need a fire hose with a content and all the content has stopped. 
Uh, it's and it's it's so funny because like we're on the eve of like so now that we had HBO you know we had HBO Max come out we had Quibi come out and we had all you know all these that can kind of you know Disney Plus obviously so the next one queued up is uh, Peacock which is right. going to be coming out on July fifteenth and I was I was like oh let me look into this whatever and I looked at their website to see like what they were like advertising the streaming service with and it was like critically acclaimed movies and it showed Reservoir Dogs <laughs> which is I own that. okay I bought that I mean, I bought don't get that me wrong. DVD. Yeah, great ago. movie. Yeah, great movie. It's a 30-year-old movie, right? You know, classic comedies in Parks and Rec, which, okay, totally get it. And then it had, um, you know, some other term, and they were showing Downton Abbey, which, yes, that's a huge hit and understandable. Then they showed some, you know, Arthur, like kids programming, and then Latino programming, some show that, I forget the name of it, um, there's a woman's name in New York, something. And then the last box was Current Hits, and it was Chicago Fire, which I literally thought was like a parody of a show that would be on NBC. And I was like, oh, that's a real show? And so that when I saw the commercial for it. Yeah, Peacock is going to be very interesting, I think. I'm, I, I'm not planning on signing up for Peacock. You watch, though, when the flat comes back, they'll be like, ooh, he got fat. Because everyone's just sitting around. It's going to be different. Rob, what have you been watching? Well, so this is you know this is kind of this is what's rough because as many you know well, those of you in the listening audience since I've departed the regular show I found myself with two eighteen uh, month children that now I'm responsible for eighteen month old children so I've been watching a lot of Mister Rogers on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. I've discovered that there are collections organized by the year so currently right now we're in 1986 and in the land of make believe uh, someone was getting married. And Daniel Tiger didn't want to be the ring bearer because he's a tiger and not a bear. And mm. so Lady Elaine explained to him that the, it's, it's, it's not a bear. You're a bearer. You hold the ring. Um, and they sorted that out. And then the wedding happened, which is very, very nice. Uh, so I'm very versed in Mr. Rogers' <laughs> Neighborhood these days. Um, but, but in terms of um, adult. Did the Mets come up at all? <laughs> no, the Mets did not. I was, I was, I've been waiting for it, uh. um, Mister Rogers, to talk about how good the Mets were. But uh, uh, he's in Pittsburgh. I can yeah. see why it wouldn't come up. Yeah. So aside from children's programming, you know, when we last guys, when we last talked, I was, I was just starting Devs and Mrs. America. I finished both of those, which is great. I strongly recommend those. And I, I'm really looking for something new to watch. You know, like I'm this close to finishing all. Uh, the, all I got to finish now is Legends, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and then I will have finally finished everything from this current TV season. And you know, really, like I, you know, I'm, I'm I am suffering from a case of there's too much to watch, and there's too many options, and also nothing looks interesting, and nothing is kind of grabbing at me. So because of that, I do fall back to Disney Plus, which I know, you know, I, I'm the sole, you know, kind of uh, avid user of it. But I, I will recommend Prop Culture on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which is nonfiction documentary style show that follows this guy who is a huge movie prop collector. And basically each episode is themed after a movie. So the first episode is Mary Poppins. Second one is Tron. Third is Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, they did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. They do Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the Muppet movie. I mean, all Disney movies. But um, what he does is a combination of him going into the Disney archives and looking at the props that made the movie, but then also either chasing them down in the world 
or trying to recreate them or connecting someone from the film with the prop, you know, like a lot of history of the film and stuff like that. So if you're a film buff, there's really no way that you would not enjoy this stuff. I mean, it's just so cool to see Flynn's arcade original neon sign that's been in the Disney archives get like fixed back up and light back up again. That was a pretty cool moment. And, you know, and so, um, and surprisingly the honey, I shrunk the kids episode was actually really delightful because anything Rick Moranis is delightful. So I would recommend on Disney plus uh, prop culture because it, it just I enjoyed it. It was really good. It, eight episodes so you could probably get you know hour-long episodes so decent um so yeah mr rogers and prop culture there it is <laughs> I, and honestly i will say i will say that i, I oh I, and also um ever since because of uh covid and all the stuff like that uh we have a routine where every morning uh after the kids have breakfast we watch the night before is jeopardy mm-hmm. and jeopardy ran out of episodes so now it's no longer it's just showing reruns it's at at seven o'clock and we don't want to watch things we've already watched hulu actually has a great collection of past jeopardies and so we're right in the middle of the teachers tournament from 2017 Mm -hmm. which is just a really i mean not many runaway games very competitive games good scoring games good contestants so i'm getting my jeopardy fix by going back in time on hulu how far back can you go that's a great question. Jeopardy in 1952? Well, Jeopardy's only been around since the <laughs> early 80s. So It'd be great if right now you just started watching it. And, and we were like, Ron, you were like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> what is Argentina? King Lear. So, <laughs> I mean, who is King Lear? I mean, what is King Lear? Damn it. <laughs> so you can go back to, oh, they, they, they used to have much more. Now they, they've limited. Oh, that's stupid. It used to be they used to have much more. Right now they just have 30 episodes from season 33, one episode from season 31, and four episodes of season 30. Mm. They had more there. Oh, God, I'm going to run out of this, too. <laughs> God damn it. So, uh, so basically this is my plea to you guys to, uh, if there's anything I should be watching, I would love to know. Let me start with mine. This premiered last week, but it's technically streaming because you can watch it on HBO Max or HBO Go or whatever. Perry Mason. Oh, is it the new Perry Mason? Any good? I really enjoyed it. It stars uh, Matthew Reese from uh, The Americans, but it also co-stars Shea Wiggum from Boardwalk Empire, oh, who wow. we all love. He's great. Shea Wiggum's his partner. He, it's Perry Mason when he's a younger guy working for a law firm as an investigator. It's a down and out character it takes place in 1930s la it's got corrupt cops it's got the old hollywood system there's a groucho marx appearance in the first episode it's hitting all the buttons i I find the 30s fascinating i find la that period fascinating i like old hollywood stories i love pi stories and i was a big fan of perry mason as a kid i watched it all the time check it out if you're looking for a new series you know i do enjoy a legal show john lithgow is in it oh hey you had me at lithgow Lithgow Shea Wiggum. It's a good cast. It's a really good That's cast. That's a good cast. All right. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. Adding to my watch list. I got to say, there's a thing that has been sticking in my craw for a while about you needing to watch and you didn't. Oh, right. Yes. The, the third season of Fargo. Yes. Yeah, no, I know. Well, uh, that, I just. Let's hear uh, your I'm, excuses. Well, combination of um, I'm personally lacking the motivation, although I know I know all about it. I know the cast, all that sort of stuff. There is a piece of me that needs to watch the first two seasons. So do it. I They're do. great. I know you don't have to, but the, and that just seems daunting. It's like the best show. Then finally, I am not alone in my viewing, and so I need to sell it. And if I can't sell it to myself, I have a hard time selling it to somebody else. You and McGregor playing twins. Yeah. But yeah. put the pilot on. The yeah. pilot alone, you'd be like, I remember getting to the end of the pilot, and everybody I know who watched, including Connor, you know, yep. was like, "Wow, that shouldn't." I mean, it, it was a lot. It's a lot like Watchmen, yeah. in that when you watched it, you thought, "There's no way 
that this is there's any point in this you get to the end you go wow it's everything we thought of and more yeah no i i, I know I'll, something, I'll maybe get something makes you think you don't want it but you're wrong yeah, and, and and the funny thing is, is, like when we started watching both Devs and Mrs. America, it was funny because my wife was just like after the first episode, I was like, eh, I don't know if I like this, or whatever. And by like the third or fourth, she was enthralled. So mm-hmm. she is a slow burn kind of to get on, and that's kind of ringing around in the back of my head. I'm like, well, I really need to sell her, and so I need to be behind it, and so it's a whole thing. Gotta, um, hey, Connor, this Perry Mason show, yeah. um, I'm looking at it on the HBO Max app. Uh, it's got the guy from the Mr. Rogers movie. Which one? Yeah, Mace, the, Perry the, Mason. Matt, yeah, Matthew Reese. That's what I yeah, said. Yeah, He's yeah, a star yeah, yeah. from the Americans. I've never watched the Americans. I, I know him from the Mr. Rogers movie. He did one great episode of Girls. I remember that. Uh, you can get episodes of Mr. Rogers on Amazon Prime organized by year. There you go. I don't know if I mentioned that. Also, I, I wanted to mention we finished our Parks and Rec rewatch, which was terrific. I'd forgotten how good it is. It was the show I needed right now. It's It's a that. bunch of... Basically, good people, even the people you think aren't good, are good, trying to help in government, just trying to help, trying to make people's lives a little bit better in, with a, in a really low-stakes environment for the most part. And it was just – it was very much what was needed right now. In addition to that was the newest season of Queer Eye on Netflix, which is, is the same thing. I saw that was there. We watched the last – about the last season of Top Chef, much for the same reason. Lindsay and I plowed through it. So I think Queer Eye is going to be our next thing to go back to. I thought the last season wasn't – terribly great and i thought japan was kind of boring but this season was really good yeah we didn't we didn't make it all the way through japan i think we were like that's good that's this one was like a return to the 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 first couple of seasons it was really strong they moved to a new location they're in philadelphia you get a lot of philadelphia characters cool that's interesting at one point they go to the jersey shore for one of the episodes since you get some of that too between that and parks and rec is what i needed right now in my life in terms of everything going on in the world was people just trying to help other people make their lives better so that's what i've been searching out and then of course perry mason which is a dour pi story that's your jam it's my tonic so that's what we've been watching or streaming audio wise video wise whatever we can get our hands on there's not not much else to do there was an episode where king friday wanted a flying car Mm -hmm. but uh, queen sarah thought it used too much gas makes sense it was a real allegory for the the energy crisis that was happening at the time i think that was a 1978 episode pressure it's just interesting somebody should have just put a cuisinart in there listen i gotta tell you when he goes out to the backyard to play in the sand in that sand table he has it is just like that's a special episode because he doesn't do that all the time (laughs) i love mr rogers so much and it's all we watch (laughs) help (laughs) so we were trying to find what was gonna be our main topic for this episode and um josh messaged us both and says hey i just watched that thing you do and Ron and I both immediately went, let's do a show on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie. And someone pointed out to us in the comments, I think it was BC1, that this is our second movie about a band that it we're is, talking yeah. about. We and, do have plus, a, we, we talked about High Fidelity, which is right. right near that realm. We have a thing. Yep. What is that thing you do if you haven't seen it? Well, it's, it's Tom Hanks's feature debut. He'd done some TV directing, but he is the writer and director of this film. Came out in 1996. I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters. I saw it opening weekend. So did I. Yep. Starring Tom Everett Scott, Liv Tyler, Jonathan S- That Sage. Word, Sage, Steve Zahn, Ethan Embry, and Tom Hanks. Before we get to the movie, one of the best things that's happened in quarantine was that reunion. And I think that's part of the reason why it's seeing a little bit of resurgence is they very famously reunited for the anniversary on Zoom. 
had a watch party. I was there. I was part of the watch party. I had a lot of special guests come on and talk about the film and talk about shooting it while watching it. It was tons of fun. Very heartwarming. So that thing you do is about a small town, Erie, Pennsylvania band who stumbles into a, a giant hit and tries to string out that success and fame as long as they can uh, as they sort of spin apart. I love this movie. This is one of my top five Tom Hanks movies. I've probably seen this movie 25, 30 times. Wow. And right there with you. It is um, – so just a, a little kind of background. My sister is is a enormous Tom Hanks fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like he, she's a huge Tom Hanks fan. Uh, she loves it when he Does yells. Does she have one of his shirts? What shirts? The G-Dad shirt. G-Dad shirt. Oh, yeah. No, totally. I got it, got it for her. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Both she and I love this movie. Both saw it opening weekend, and it really – it being his first, his, his not his only, but his first directorial feature, yep. right? Yeah, he's done other films. There's so much Hank's DNA in the entire film, like to the point where he is he has songwriting credits on a bunch of songs. Right, like he got so into this, and you can just tell from the script, from just the feel of it, it's just like everything that is Tom Hanks is present in this film, and I can't wait to hear how or why Josh didn't like it. That's not what I was gonna say. <laughs> Well, I would say before Josh gets to this thing, is I think you're right. There's a there's a certain amount of cynicism towards the business and towards some characters, but for the most part, everyone is pretty decent and just trying to do good. Now, Hanks's character, Mr. White, their manager, is obviously exploiting them for their talent to make money for the record cable, but he's also trying to do well by them as much as he can within his position. Everyone is mostly decent. You know, you just feel good watching it, even when things don't go well, even when the band breaks up, even when characters are mean to each other there's still a feeling of decency to it that just feels good yeah there really is i think part of that has to do with the the time period it takes place in the subject matter and also the fact that the whole premise of the film is that it captures the journey of a one-hit wonder band right it really does capture the essence of american culture at that moment of like pre Beatlemania, during Beatlemania, during Beatlemania. I feel like it's like it's like during. right before Beatlemania. Like the Beatles are no, a it's thing. After. It's sixty four. They're after already. Is it sixty four? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so yes. it's in and around that. Right. There's a couple of Beatles references in the movie, but it really captures how a, a, a garage band could get noticed and put out a hit record and then never be heard from again. You know, yep. like and and it, and and really, even though this is a work of fiction, it's a story that there's probably. Tons of bands that that are that this hit too close to home to when they watch this movie, right? Um, and it really, you know, and as a music fan and as a music fan of this era, I feel like it really embodies that time period in the country. Well, it was when I was watching. I think we just I, we were looking for something to watch, and I was like, well, "Why don't we watch this?" And my girlfriend, "Sure." And we watched it, and we we just found. We should mention it is on HBO Max. Yeah, if you want to stream it, it's on HBO Max. I think it was probably the first thing I watched when I was sort of flipping through there trying to find something. It was difficult not to compare it. To almost famous as we just sort of watched that because it was kind of like it was a Tom Hanks version of a love letter to music from a certain period. Whereas I feel like Almost Famous was Cameron Crowe's love letter to that period of music which he was involved with. It's very difficult to listen to an interview by a musician who is about the age of Tom Hanks that does not cite uh, the Beatles appearing uh, Americans. Yep, the Beatles appearing on Ed Sullivan as the moment. You know, if you've I've, I. I've listened to a lot of musician interviews and, you know, like Bruce Springsteen, they're like, well, when did it happen? He's like, saw Beatles on the Ed Sullivan, you know, dozens of others would say the exact same thing. And this really feels like it's a, it is a love letter to that period. But, you know, like the other thing, like sort of a sidetrack of the other things that came out of it. It's definitely a one hit wonder. And, and 
it, it's funny because they play the song so many times over the course of it that you're like, okay, enough. See, I can't get enough of uh, it. No, I want I more. It's a, and that's also a joke. I mean, it's a bit of a joke yes. with the number of times the, the one-hit wonder song is played. But also, and Josh, and as a music person, it no. it evolves through the through the movie. You know, I'm not saying it's a good song, but you do get a yeah. sense. It, it is. It's especially for a song where you're watching a movie and you're supposed to believe it's a hit. And I'm like, I can believe this. I can believe it's right. a hit. Also, rest in peace to the songwriter, the guy from Fountains of Wayne who passed away from coronavirus. Oh, right. Yeah. Adam Schlesinger. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, it, it is. It's got the catchy thing, but, like, they, ju- they just keep playing it over and over, and you're like, wow, I would get sick of doing this all the time do, if I was them. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, It's believably from that period, written yes, yep. in that the 90s, you know. Yeah. I, I think the couple of other things that, in a way, I think it might be a better movie about a band than Almost Famous is. It's a little more compact. It's a little, it's, it's certainly simpler in that way. Yep. It's awfully sweet. But I do think it's funny that this is one of the only sort of roles that I can see Tom Hanks as, a, as like a hard ass in. Like it's his movie, and he gave himself like he's not a bad guy, but you know he makes you uncomfortable. He's an entry professional, yeah. Mr. White. You didn't watch the director's cut, did you? I don't think so. I was just looking. It looks like it's one forty-eight, which is pretty long. We have the director's cut, and his because his character is in it, but he's not in it that much. And the director's cut yeah. actually, it's really interesting to see what Hanks cut of himself. And there's a other side to the coin of his character that exists in the director's cut that I won't, I won't spoil. You know, I'll let you discover it. it. Is very very interesting. Let's just say that. And then yeah. I think the last bit that the thing that kept coming back to me as I was watching the whole time is even though Tom Hanks isn't playing the role. Tom Everett Scott is playing Tom Hanks yes. as well, the that, drummer. That was discussed at the time. It was like he was he was going to be the new Tom Hanks, but this movie bombed, and he didn't become the new Tom Hanks. Yeah, crazy how he had that exact energy of '80s Tom Hanks. I mean, it wasn't yep. even it was uncanny in a way because he he really got it. It's weird that you would have Tom Hanks cast somebody who's so familiar to what he's doing, and I don't know how much of that was an actor. That's how he he, he does act or whatever. But I, he was also perfect for that thing. He was just so... Oh, every yeah. every woman I know of a certain age is in love with him from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's funny because... As when, I when am the movie in love came... with Liv Tyler from this movie. <laughs> yeah, or, Char- or Charlize Theron, her first, her first no, film. No, she was a jerk. Um, yeah, I know, but still, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because I remember reading in like Entertainment Weekly and all that sort of stuff when yep. the movie came out. How this was going to be the, la- the the launching pad for the next Tom Hanks and Tom Everett Scott, blah blah blah, and it just never never really went anywhere. But it, honestly, if you ask me, the underrated star of the movie is Steve Zahn. I knew you were going to say that. Well, I don't think he's uh, underrated. First of all, I think yeah. I think it's important to note that I think the cast is incredible in the film yeah. in that everyone is terrific and it's full of, you know, character actors doing incredibly good work in small scenes. Chris Isaac's really good as Uncle Bob. My favorite yes. character my favorite side character is the father, his guy's yes. father. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to live in a country where you have to work on Sunday. Right? <laughs> hey, Josh. Let it burn. Um, let it burn. Let it burn. Uh, did Did you catch in the credits uh, Ethan Embry's character's name? I thought it was just the bass player or something like it's that. It's TB player. Oh yeah. So <laughs> like I catch, there are a lot of Hanks family cameos in yes. there. Yes. Yep. Like, yep. Um, his wife, his daughter, place. his son. Yeah. His his busty wife. I was like, geez. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, like uh, Bill Cobb's Del Paxton, Alex Rocco, yep, yep. Saul. I mean, it's just it's full of every time you keep running into these 
great character actors doing just you know, really indelible characters for one or two scenes. I also thought it was interesting that when I think of a period movie that has really good casting, uh, not movie actually, really good casting, and they look like people from a time, I always think of uh, Band of Brothers, mm-hmm. which you know Tom Hanks didn't direct, but he he produced it. He, he he was very involved, and it's like has that same kind of thing. Like the people who are in this, they are looking like they're from that time. Um, what's his name? Uh, the the last name that you just John Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Sky, Sky, Sage. Sage, Sage. Like he doesn't he doesn't look like anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Like and he's sort of he's in that spot and he looks really kind of interesting. And like at this point, like I can see Steve Zahn as a pop star at this point in time. Not today. But you know you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like it just it's really interesting in that way. But yeah, really you're right, though, great character actors who's who you actually recognize. Yeah. Peter as, Scolari. As a, as a, I love that yeah, Peter Scolari. Oh, yeah. gets <laughs> oh, Peter, he, he, uh, Tom, say what you will about Tom Hanks. You know he's a good person because he has taken care of Peter Scolari yeah. at every turn ever since Bosom Buddies. Yeah. Paul Feige, the director. Feige. Feige. Yeah. yeah. Yep. As the DJ in LA. Feige. And Clint Howard. Yeah. yeah always a Clint. Clint Howard will cameo any movie. Uh, <laughs> Cap and Geech and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. And Brian Cranston. I mean, it's yep. it's full of every time you turn around, there's another great actor. I think it's a testament mm-hmm. to Tom Hanks. Uh, the yep. stories they were telling from, about his directing was were, he sounds like a terrific actor's director, and you know, who's going to say no to Tom Hanks when he asks you to do it? And also, Kevin Pollock is terrific as boss of Big Big Cuss. Yeah, yep. Who yeah. I didn't understand until I watched the reunion that he was a mattress salesman, not a DJ. Oh, oh he interesting. Was a, he's not a DJ. He's a mattress salesman. Yeah, so he, yeah, he, he right. sponsored the the show. Yes. And so yeah. that's why he was there doing Pittsburgh. And then once you know that, you pick up on things. But in the, I, for years, just thought he was a local DJ because they were I all I thought that famous too. back then. Yeah, yeah. cousin Brucey. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how it, it's like it is written in such a great three act sequence. Yep. In terms of like the the coming together, the writing of the song, the getting you know getting Tom Everett Scott to join the band, you know Giovanni Ribisi breaking his arm and they need a drummer, and then the tour of like going on tour and like getting swept up and meeting your favorite you know kind of singing stars and then getting to LA and getting slapped in the face with reality like hitting this pinnacle of going on TV and like have it all fall apart around you like it is it is it is such a well crafted story and it's bolstered by those moments whether it's the show in Pittsburgh with Kevin Pollack or the montage of them on tour and playing to crowds and all this sort of stuff and you know I think it's great I think it's it's really really a great film when I was younger, I think the thing that I didn't really appreciate about it at the time was it it ends sort of abruptly. Like, they don't really crest that much. Like, it's sort of over. Now, watching it, because I don't think I've seen it since, you know, like, the first time I saw it whenever ago. You know, now, like, I really love the compactness and simplicity of that. Like, they really didn't even start. You know, like it was like they didn't even get to that part, and the reasons that they didn't were so small. They weren't really super into being famous. Like they were having fun with the experience, but there wasn't like a drive on anybody except for I don't remember his name, the guy who we just talked about. What's what's the character's name? Jimmy, the lead singer, Jimmy. You know, yeah. like Jimmy turns into an asshole really quickly and for sort of no reason, but you kind of realize he was always that way. Oh, he was always that way. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a solid music career, as we found out. The, the Hertzman had a better yeah. career than the Wonders did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and like you know, like like Steve Zahn liked it was was having fun on stage or anything, but he was just like, "This is awesome!" Like he wasn't like a driven musician. Yeah, you know, guy was he was into it, but 
you know, like he would much rather gone and play jazz, and he's super talented, and uh, you know, all that's really interesting. I think like, like a it, lot of magicians, that, he just liked that he got to play music and people yeah, enjoy, yeah, enjoyed right. it. You know, this would have been if you're talking about like someday they'll do a behind the music on the herdsman, and this is like a little blip at the beginning of it. Right. And yeah, I, exactly. I like that. It's sort of like yeah. like going into that, you know, everybody will talk about how Crosby used to be in, in the, well, he was in the, yeah, he was in the Birds, you know, and then he was in some smaller band before that. That's always the blip before the bigger band. Birds is a bad example. Right, or like the, the, yard, the yard Birds is a good example for that. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's got to be better ones. But, you know, Hawkwind, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you think about what the, what the time period of this film is, it's probably not more than a few months. Yeah, you know they. No, yeah, it's a no, summer. Like it's that. literally a summer. Yeah, I mean, like it's. it's and they're only in LA like three days or two days at, the, at yeah. the most. It's not. You know, they end really abruptly. The band comes yeah. spinning apart, which it yeah. makes sense because there isn't really a foundation for the band either. No, it's it's loosely held together and by like, one song that they sort of stumbled into. By, by yeah. one song, but also, but also, and like what I think was interesting is that the story isn't about the band. The story is about Tom Everett Scott's character, yeah. right? And and kind of like and and he was on this journey not to have a music career, but ultimately to end up with with Liv Tyler and and like and and you know kind of find love and 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 all that sort of thing. What was this like after the movie story? They settled down and and uh, had a music school. Well, he, okay. he was a session musician in L.A., yeah. and then they yeah. eventually went, moved to... Portland. Portland. Okay. Yeah. No, an island off of, of, of Washington, and they had, yeah. a, they had a music conservatory. He taught jazz composition. Close enough to Portland. So it's really kind of his story, and there's a, there's a moment... Portland is not Washington. Well, it's the same thing. Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it's all the same. It's outside of New York. It's all the same. It's west of New York. <laughs> it's all the West of New York, north of San Francisco. That's all. It doesn't matter. But it, it it was so, and now you killed my train of thought. It was it was it, there's I, a moment there, there's a there's a moment in the film um, where it's pointed out to him by Tom Hanks that he he is the glue that keeps the band together. That yep. it's him, you know, as the drummer, he's setting the tone, set, setting the tone. <laughs> and it was the and I think Liv Tyler points it out to him also at another point that none of this happens without him joining the band because he played the song differently. Right. Right. And and it's and it's this little spark of magic and like that is something that truly does happen in music and you know I think we've all experienced that's what happens with one hit wonders that's what happens with, you know there's a great band that that is able the stars align and they make a perfect record and you know they can't recreate it afterwards or for whatever reason it's never quite the same or whatever it might be and it's because of the the, the people involved in the moment and this reflects that really really well and it changes their life like it literally this summer changed all of their lives yeah, one of the things I noticed on this viewing is that there's sprinklings of Jimmy's assholeness throughout it before he really blows up at the end. You know, like Faye's kind of my girlfriend. They've been together two and a half years at that point. Right. Yeah. But at one point, when they're trying to recruit Guy, when they're talking to him at the diner, they were talking about the song they had to play that he said I wrote, and then Lenny says, "Well, we wrote it." Right. And then later on, when you see the record, it says written by Ken Mattingly. It doesn't say. Yeah. Yeah, James Mattingly. What a Ken Mattingly is the astronaut. Uh, James <laughs> James Mattingly. It doesn't say Lenny's name as a co-writer, so clearly he screwed him out of co-writing. Like it's there's little touches in the background that you see that he's like a cold, calculating guy. That's nice because it's not in the foreground. It, it rewards repeat viewing to notice stuff like that. 
And it's just, it's a thoughtful. And there's these little throwaway lines. And, and like, the, here's the thing is that, like, I, th- there are two ways I judge films now, right? One way is um, if after watching it, how long I spend thinking about it or talking about it with those around me. You know, like, so for example, The Phantom Thread. I hated it when, I, when we initially watched it, right? And then two weeks later, sure enough, me and my wife over dinner were like, so in The Phantom Thread, when he did this, like, the fact that we were still talking about it two weeks later showed that there was something there. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it, which I think we all can did reflect Con- on. Wait, but Connor, did you picture him talking about it with two babies? Because I did. Because <laughs> you said the people around me. And the baby's just looking at you like, Mr. Rogers, please. And, and you're like, but, but, but no, why did he no, do that? Basically, the other half of the conversation is, ga, 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 da, da, ma, 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 ma. Why did they do that? The other val- weight of a film is, I mean, this came out in 96. So what, it's been 20, almost 25 Four. years now? 24 years? I still quote this movie, not just one line, but like a myriad of lines. Yeah. Right? The number of times, like the number of times I say to anybody, like, do you have any threes? Or, you know, or, or, or say, and a lot of them are Steve's on, Steve's on lines, but like, you know, like I'll just like, I'd be at work and I'll just go land of Lincoln. And like, you know, and, and the millennials look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, oh, watch that thing you do. You know I didn't like, even know you were doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's on is terrific. I mean, the whole the whole band is great together. They have chemistry, and you can tell from watching that reunion they all had chemistry yeah. personally together. But like, even like I, every year before all this nonsense with COVID happened, but every year I go, go to Pittsburgh to play in a pinball tournament, and every time I tell my sister, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Pittsburgh next week, she goes, Pittsburgh to the Vicksburg, and like, literally, like it, it's so it's woven in as much, if not you know, if not more than Star Wars and indie and all the other things that we've quoted throughout our you know our lives. That shows that it's a it's a solid film. Yeah. yeah, Connor, do you think that Steve Zahn's character is basically the same guy in Treme? <laughs> like after he's traveled for about twenty years, because uh, I think it's the same guy. It could be. That'd be really. Funny. I didn't really have a context for it, and then I was just thinking about. It. I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." He had a good eye. This is Charlie Theron's first film. Steve Zahn, mm-hmm. basically his yep. first major role. Great casting. Tom Everett Scott, who didn't blow up, but is a, is it's really good actor and he's good in stuff when he shows up and things he put together a really nice ensemble here i mean Liv tyler was a kid she's our age yeah. so she was you know 19 she acted her ass off for a night pre-lord of the rings Liv tyler yeah. Yeah. post empire records pre-lord yeah. of the rings. i think when you watch this you the more you watch it or the older you get you appreciate how well written it is and how well structured mm-hmm. it is and how much it it all makes sense and comes together he's a good writer i, I have his book tom x is a good writer and I know that there is a longer version, I guess, but I was just looking in the, like, the theater version's 108 minutes, the longer one's 148. I really like it as that tight one. Yeah, I, I haven't, I've never watched the longer version. It's very compact and tells a story and doesn't waste a lot of time yeah. in a good way. Off the top of my head, the longer version doesn't deviate from that tightness of the story. You can just get little pluses here and there, mm-hmm. you know, basically like cutting room floor stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's funny because the last time we did this, I had watched the longer version of Almost Famous, which adds right. nothing. Like, there's yeah. no need for it. There's a feeling sometimes out there that longer is always better. Like, you know, people, I want to watch the long version, of that, but it's not always better. There's a reason why things are edited out. Right. This is a very tight film. It's also, by the way, Tom Hanks is younger than we are in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I will, uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. We've talked, we've often talked a lot about peak Hanks. Yeah. And I do believe that this movie is peak Hanks. 
peak Hanks as an actor or an all-around filmmaker producer? Yeah, all, just all in in the, in the arc of Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Like in all that sort of stuff. I, I think previously when we talked about this, I vaguely remember that that it might have been. Well, no, I, I still think League, like League of Their Own is too early. This is pre-Castaway, right? So this yep. is like this is basically before he started getting puffy. You know, okay, so, so hold on. Th- so that, was, bef- that, was, that was Green Mile. Green Mile was puffy. So hold on. So he did. All right. So he did a League of Their Own in '92. He did Seals yeah. and Sale in '93. He did Philadelphia in '93. He did Forrest Gump in '94. He did Apollo 13 in '95. Toy Story in '95, and then that thing you do in '96. And then after yeah. that, he goes to Saving Private Ryan, and you've got Mail. Yep. And then he goes. Then now, Green Mile and Castaway. This is a pretty strong. I mean, there's a reason why he's a goddamn American treasure. That's Road to Perdition. Great- catch me if you can. That's a great I gotta run. say though, you you are you're leaving, and I know this is I do love Catch Me If You Can. It's a great movie. I think that might be my favorite. It's a really really yeah, good movie. It's a really good movie. Underrated. It's a really yes, good yeah. movie. Yeah, it is. No, it totally <laughs> is. That was the yeah. Anyway, uh, but you actually are leaving out uh, to me. What is actually kind of a big deal is that like after this, that gives them the chops to go in and they do From the Earth to the Moon, yep. which is again, if you want to talk about casting character actors in amazing ways that's top of the heap then he goes on and does band of brothers and eventually the pacific you know i don't know i, I get the sense he was very much involved with the first two yeah playtone is his company comes from this right. movie front yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly um you know but like that stuff is as much is important to me as, as, as any of the other things and all those movies you mentioned those are that's a wonderful run and everything he's but. got 57 producer credits yeah if we're talking about a he's, producer we're talking a, about he, a director he's, he's had a pretty good career i think He's okay. Yeah, you and he smile, got over it, and run off stage. Like, I, <laughs> like every every line Tom Hanks, you simplify. Every line Tom Hanks has in this movie is fantastic. You look great in black. Have I told you that? <laughs> what else has he directed? What were the other? All right, he did. Um, the films aren't terrific. This is his best film. I had the list in front of me, and I uh, here we go. I had the cure for cancer. Okay, so he did. From the from the beginning, he did an episode of Tales from the Crypt. He did an episode of, of the League of Their Own TV show that never went anywhere. He did an episode of a show called Fallen Angels, which I've never heard of. And then, then that thing you do, and then one episode of From Earth to the Moon, one episode of Band of Brothers, and then he directed Larry Crown. Uh, Larry which Crown, not two, good. Which from the Earth to the Moon and which... He did Band Can We Do This from the Earth to the Moon? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. That's about building the lunar module, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. And then he did Crossroads in Band of Brothers. That's the one where um, Winters he goes to Paris for leave after shooting. Oh, oh right, right, right. Yeah, that's he's a, a that's he's a good, a good director. Yeah, he, he is a very good director. I wonder why he didn't do more. Uh, it's a lot of work. True. No, I, I get that, and it, it might be it. But it's one of those things that, where like it probably wouldn't have gotten him as much, but it would have been an interesting career if for some reason he decided. I think this movie to. shows a, a advanced facility for directing. Like, if you told yeah. me this wasn't his first film, I would believe you. Well, it's funny, because, yeah. like, in that way, Ben Affleck did a, re- a handful of really good movies yep. and then just kind of stopped. Well, he did his last one was terrible and lost a lot of money. I know, but, you know. He's got another one coming out. But, yeah, his first yeah. couple, you're like, damn, he's a terrific director. And then yeah. Live By Night came out. And, <laughs> I think it helps that this movie's so musical. There's a sure. lot of cutting on the beat. I'm not saying that's easy, but it's jaunty, you know. There's a lot of music in it. It's, so. What's it, Peppy? It's Peppy. Catchy? It's got Peppy. Peppy. Oh, it's, pep. <laughs> it's a good drum beat. Like that's that. It is. Boom, yeah. dun, dun, boom, dun, boom. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. Good. We see the you see the moment when when it kicks in that first time they play it at, at um uh at, at the pizza place. Is that at the pizza place or is that the no, the, 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 the battle of the bands? Battle right? of the bands yeah. 
a really nice camper. I'm so, seriously, this movie is so quotable. It's just like... <laughs> Playing oh, it man. too fast. He's just, not. It's delightful. And we it's often delightful. use that term yeah. for Tom Hanks, but... It is a delightful film, even when things go badly for the characters. It never stops being delightful. Because at the end, when the band falls apart and, you know, Jimmy storms out, then you pivot right away to Guy playing with Del Paxton. And that's a great scene. You know, he he gets to sort of fulfill his dream there. And then it pivots to him realizing he's in love with Faye. So even that moment that's bad, we don't dwell on it. We move on to Guy fulfilling his destiny. And it's it's heartwarming. It is. It's great. It it's great. It's a good film. There are worse ways to spend an hour and a half. It's a nice kind of distraction, and there's no way that, that the song doesn't get stuck in your head and you like it stuck in your head. I remember it was when I was learning how to play guitar, it was in, like, the, the tab was in, like, one of the magazines, so I learned how to play it, like, back then. The so guy who played Goofball, thanks, Goofball, <laughs> was also in Larry Crown. Oh, yeah, he takes care of his own people. I mean, it's he really does take. If you look through the cast and everything, like it's a lot of people who I think Rob Reiner's daughter's in it. Tracy Reiner, yep. yeah. It's like yeah. when you see her too, it's like, yep, that's her. <laughs> it's, yeah. His son Colin Hanks is, I think, escorting Tom Ever Scott's wife. It's, Tom Ever Scott's wife has a, you know, she's in the background too. I think he was escorting Liv Tyler in. Oh, you're right, but there's a scene, I think, earlier on where you see him fleetingly then, with, his, with Tom Everett's costume. And then it's one of Tom Hanks, his daughter is just like this kid in the background at one point, but you can tell it's her. I don't know if his weird rapper son is in this. Or no, not. I, I, think, I don't think he that. is. You know, the best part of the film for me is when he does the reverse fist pump. Yeah. <laughs> that's yes. my favorite bit. Yes, that is good. That's during that's the montage, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh man! <laughs> when I know that when when Rita Wilson came on, me and Lindsay were like, "Gee, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> holy! Mo- you made her the loose bartender, Mom and uh, not in a bad way. No, you she's know, great. She's, she seems to be competent." And, and I was just like, "What if you put your boobs out there?" Okay, okay, yeah. Tom, you're not good to movie. me now. I'm just scrolling through the Wikipedia article about the movie, and there's and there's a little stuff like apparently there were two bands called the Wonders in the '60s, and one of them had a had a had a uh, hit "Say There" in the top twenty at uh, on WCOL in Columbus, Ohio. And in the movie, when a DJ is playing the, the that thing you do by the Wonders, it's at WCOL, right? Like so, there's just great little kind of throwbacks and like and just all the Beatles kind of. It's very Beatles. Of that. The, yeah, the He's, misspelling, the the, the Oneaters, yeah. the Wonders, you know, the misspelling of the thing, and then apparently that you know it says here that uh, Hanks got the idea after the idea of Beatles uh, breaking through after firing Pete Best, yeah. which is you know interesting. So it shows Ringo was the uh, was the catalyst. The Oneaters there. reminded me of I Fanboy. Oneaters, yeah. If and boy. <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. Like, right? Yeah, they're the wonders. Yeah, no, Oneaters. <laughs> it's just that's Oneaters. I mean, it's very rarely that I say this movie has it all, but this movie really does have it all. I think. I mean, you know, it's got good music. It's got all this sort of Easter egg stuff. It's it's you know historical. It's just, I don't know. When I was a not a kid, but when I was in, I guess it would be college. I wore the tape out. I had it on yeah you know, cassette. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Zahn was the best man for Tom Everett Scott's wedding. No, they're all very close. It's great. Yeah, it makes yeah. it warms your heart. Yeah. See, he lives in like Kentucky in a crazy. He's got a crazy beard. I follow him on Instagram. He's he's a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why his beard didn't take off. Yeah. That and he's been wearing he's been wearing the sunglasses ever since. No, Steve Zahn, not Tom Everett Scott. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, he's Villapiano. Steve Zahn works all the time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because he's great. And he was great in You've Got Mail. Like, he's sort of, you know, you're right. He sort of sur- keeps surrounding himself with these people. He's, he is Jeremy Piven <laughs> to Tom Hanks's John Cusack. You know what I love about the nonsense of the trivia tab on IMDb? Right, because there, there's truly like it's it's like trivia. Liv Tyler and Ethan Embry are also in Empire Records together. Like, yeah, yeah. cool, great. Um, another one's like this film takes place in 1964. Is that trivia or is that a fact? Here's a good one, which I this is fantastic. It's trivia because if you were in a bar and they said what year does it take place and the answer right, is 1964, you wouldn't go. That's not trivia. So tell me about this then. Frequent Tom Hanks collaborator Ron Howard's brother Clint Howard plays a DJ in the film. It's Ron Howard's director Hallmark to feature his brother in his work. That's that's just some facts that are that's sort just... of related. The the PR companies have made that section almost like for new movies. You see stuff yeah. like Giovanni Ribisi really liked making the movie with Charlie Theron. Like that's oh, not God. a trivia. That's a PR you know plant. It doesn't yeah. tell you anything. Clint Howard said it was his favorite movie to ever make. That's not trivia. Yeah, it's great. If you haven't seen it, if you're t- this is not. A super popular Tom Hanks in the in the pantheon of Tom Hanks films. This is not in in his. It was not in Oscar contention, is what you're it saying. It's not Oscar contention. It did not make money. It was a disappointment. A lot of people haven't seen it, but it, it remains in my top five Tom yeah. Hanks films, which we should do as a, as a subject at some point is decide what our top Ooh. five Tom Hanks films are. It's firmly in mine. Uh, let's do it right now. What do we got in this? In these, um, I need to pull up Tom Hanks's. Uh, uh, Tom thing, Hanks as an actor. Yes, as an but, actor. Yeah, as an actor. In these in these media explodes, we should all we should end with a top five list. That's a great idea. <laughs> I just like making work. <laughs> so, I gotta do this off the top of my head without really thinking about it. Yeah, without really thinking about it, I will go first. I will give it to um, that thing. Is this have to be in order? No, no, five, just the top just five. Don't do order. Five? Uh, don't do order. Okay, yeah. cool. Don't do order. I will say that thing you do. I will say you've got mail. I will go. League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the, the last two is I. No, I'm going to say the Terminal. Okay, I'm a huge Terminal That's a great fan. Film. He is a huge Terminal fan. Yeah. I can I can back y- you up can, on that. Yeah, and then I will I will then go catch me if you can. Dragnet. Dragnet is very good. <laughs> Dragnet is I watch Dragnet a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good era, Tom Hanks. I'm going to say um, that thing you do, League of Their Own, Apollo 13. Sleepless in Seattle, and the fifth one's hard because this is the only one you got left. The terminal would be up there. So would Catch Me If You Can. So would Hell Bridges Buys and Charlie Wilson's War. Both terrific. Fuck. What's the fifth one? Turner and Hooch. I mean, it's uh, Toy Story Three. No, I can't. I can't. Um, I can't do that. Splash. Paul Thirteen. Like the thing you do. You like oh, Splash Saving Private Ryan. That was oh, yeah. 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 Okay, so uh, I'll go backwards. Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, The Money Pit. Good Good one. Let's do Brad. That our super skinny young bachelor party, The Money Pit. Lots of yelling. When the the bathtub falls through the floor, (laughs) and then he just starts laughing. (laughs) It's so good. Joe vs. the Volcano is great. That whole era, the pre-League of Their Own, when he started gaining yep. weight, when he's super skinny, that's a great era. Apollo 13, so that's four. I mean, I... I love the Terminal, so I want to watch that. I could, I could say... I could, make a, I could make a case for Bridge of Spies. I really like that movie. Bridge of Spies was good. He only yells once, though. He, <laughs> he, go, he, he goes, taxi, and that's it. That was the only yelling we got in that movie. Yeah. So. Uh, ooh. 
the thing about Tom Hanks is his 10 best films go up against anybody's 10 best films. Oh, for yeah. sure. Agreed. I'm going with that as my list for now because that's a good list. That's I don't, I don't, list. I don't have a lot. I, you know, the early stuff. Like I like. Well, I said one. It's fine. I'm not going to do that. We're good. I mean, you, you, I mean, it's hard. It's hard pressed to find. I mean, it, he, even Tom Hanks's worst films are better than most people's best films. There's even like I, big, big should probably yeah. be in the discussion. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. oh the oh the post. The post, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw. I was looking at that one too. Post well, hologram for the king was kind of interesting and weird. I still, I, mean, I still haven't seen that. Actually, I need to see it. Um, what's really yeah. weird and interesting is Cloud Atlas. Yeah, that's not his fault. Didn't see that one. No, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad at all. Yeah, Captain Phillips. He's actually really, really, really good in. No, he I'm is, but it's not like um, an enjoyable movie. No, 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 not at all. I will say, I, I, I mean, I, I, even though I have issues with his uh, portrayal of Walt Disney, Saving, Miss, Saving Mr. Banks is, is quite a good film. Yes, it is. So, I own it on Blu-ray. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of also an obvious answer because he won an Academy Award for it, but Philadelphia yeah. is pretty fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you, yeah, if you, if you picked his top ten, it's, it's hard to beat. I'll tell you the movie that you don't watch from oh. his uh, resume is uh, The Polar Express <laughs> because that's, just, that's yeah. just creepy as heck. That mocap. It's weird. I actually saw that over the over the uh, holiday, and then I got in a fight with a man because he opened his laptop next to me, and I went, "You've got to be kidding me!" (laughs) And he goes, "I have to send an email." I was like, "Then leave!" And then Lindsay got really mad at me because she just thought I was yelling at somebody. Later, she's like, "Why did you do that?" And I was like, "He opened a fucking laptop," and she's like, "Oh, that is awful." And I was like, "Yes." Then he got mad at me. And I'll have two more Tom Hanks thoughts, and then we can move on. I have two also. Okay, so everyone's allowed two more Tom Hanks thoughts. Okay, One is in the thin 80s period, uh, don't underestimate nothing in common. Sure. Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason, great, you know, good drama, good dramatic term. Um, and I will say, you know, that Tom Hanks pre-movies had quite a nice little TV career, of which I enjoyed his portrayal of Uncle Ned on yes, Family Ties. The Drunk. The Drunk. The drunk uncle when he drank the vanilla extract because he's trying to get anything with alcohol in it, like they were, like very good portrayal, very very good. I would substitute any of the movies that I just mentioned for either of these two things from Saturday Night Live sketches. <laughs> oh yes, him and John Lovitz on the okay. cruise. Yeah, the two losers. Yeah, that's yep. better than anything else he ever did. And then Mr. Short Term Memory. Mr. Short Term Memory is is <laughs> Bob. You broke your leg. Can we get a nurse? <laughs> Mr. Short-Term Memory might be one of the best. He's a Hall of Fame SNL host and a Hall of Fame talk show guest. (laughs) His late 80s, early 90s SNL stuff is so good. It's so good. The two losers sketch, that's as good as anything I've ever seen on SNL. Here they come, and there they go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they don't want anything to do, do with, with us. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that he is rumored to be playing Dodd in the Garden of Beasts movie. Yes. Oh. That's the kind of thing that I really like that never gets made, but still. All right, so that's our discussion on that thing you do and Tom Hanks in general, and he's the best. <laughs> Yeah, he's just the best. Oh, there you go. You know, to tie it back to the beginning, Josh, as an Apple Plus yeah. viewer, you'll get to watch his World War II movie, Greyhound. I'm extremely excited about that, obviously. Which is something no one else will get to do, which is unfortunate. I'm being handed a note here by my staff. Save Mr. Banks. We did mention that, yes. Okay. We did mention yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it's quality control. Well, listen, listen to the show once it's out, yeah. okay? Yeah. <laughs> listen to the show and then submit your notes. 
It's weird that the guy who works for that company mentioned it. But also hedge the bet of, I don't know that I like his portrayal of that. <laughs> I full on weeped three times in that movie. Yeah, that movie's great. That movie's really yeah. good. When they, when they started playing the music the first time, I was like, oh shit, oh, here we go. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's brutal. And I will say, I will say it is a trip to go and whatever, you know, but which I never will do it again. But the first time I, I was on the Disney lot and put two and two together that they filmed there, that gave me chills. Like that was like, oh, yeah. So. Well, I saw it on the Disney lot. Oh, that, so that was a, that was yeah, a double yeah. whammy. Yeah, that's a double whammy right there. Yeah. All right, so there you go. That's Media Split Episode Four. That thing you do, quarantine watching Tom Hanks films. Let's not forget, by the way, the one portrayal, the most recent portrayal, where Mister Rogers portrayed by Tom Hanks, of which lots of scenes in the movie are directly from episodes of Mister Rogers, which are available on Amazon Prime. They're organized by year. You can go to Ron's Mister Rogers blog. <laughs> it's called The Neighborhood. The neighborhood that blogspot. <laughs> Dot com. You know, go to ifamily.com, tell us your top five Tom Hanks films. I'm curious to see what everyone thinks, because yeah. you know you have them. You're not yeah. a monster. Or the patrons can discuss it in the, in the patron-only Discord. Exactly. So there you go. So um, thanks to the patrons, patreon.com slash ifamily, who unlocked this show. We'll be back in a month. Who knows what we'll be talking about? Maybe another mu- music movie. Although probably not. We could probably just do another show on Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. We should do the sketches of Tom Hanks because he was in the Mr. Belvedere fan club slash Brock Toon sketch. <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen that lately, pull it up. That's the thing. Everybody flipped spectacular. out. Everyone flipped out at David S. Pumpkins, which was funny, but like Mr. Short Term Memory was funnier. Yeah, but well, Black Jeopardy was very funny. Black Jeopardy it was, very was funny. very funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll be back. We have our weekly pick of the week show where we talk about the week's comics. We have our monthly talk explodes and book explodes shows. We have all kinds of shows for you at ifanboy.com. You can find them all there. And until next month, I am Connor. I'm Ron. I'm Josh. And because we're going to do it differently, next time we'll be talking about the movie Doubt. <laughs> 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 we got to switch it up. <laughs>